Welcome to the Radio 191 FM podcast. Noise Control in Dunedin received on average 4,000 noise complaints per year, or at least since COVID. Earlier I spoke to a student who has found herself having to contact Noise Control countless times per year already. What was your experience like calling Noise Control? The first time I called Noise Control was February, like middle of Feb, and they came within the hour of me calling, which they came towards the end of the hour, which was frustrating, but they showed up and they did actually do their job. Have you had to call noise control multiple times in one night? Yes. Last weekend, sorry, the weekend before that, I called four times in a night because they didn't stop until seven in the morning. Um, And noise control that weekend did nothing. I emailed the council and I said, look, like we've got these neighbours that are noisy. Noise control don't seem to be really doing anything. Like I call multiple times and like your website says if multiple calls are made within a night, then speakers get taken and fines get handed out and everything but this has never happened because these neighbors are persistent I got a phone call and pretty much the advice she gave me was just to keep calling and was like well it's up to the officers to assess how excessive the noise is and just keep calling keep paper trail of when you call but unless multiple calls are made within a 72 hour period they can't do anything which is just ridiculous because we've called three to four times in one night and nothing's been done. On the other hand, there has been a flat in central Dunedin which has recently been taken to the proctor in regards to the amount of noise complaints. The proctor turned up in person and also sent an email following the conversation, bringing up section E in the code of conduct, saying, quote, No student shall engage in actions that are unreasonably disruptive to other members of the university or local community. And he warns that the next step would likely result in a fine and there would be no further warnings. The DCC's Senior Communications Advisor, Chris Morris, says in regards to house parties, the legislation does not require noise measurements in decibels. If noise is to be found excessive, an excessive noise direction will be issued and if this is breached, the usual process is to seize the offending equipment, which does require police presence. And as we've seen before, the proctor may also become involved. Noise control in Dunedin receives on average 4,000 noise complaints per year. However, the ratio of calls for house parties versus music venues is unclear. Talking with me next is Dave Bennett, a spokesperson for Save Dunedin Live Music, who gives an update on the live music plan that they and the DCC are creating to advocate for the live music scene. So today we have Dave Bennett, a Save Dunedin Live Music spokesperson. How are you doing? Yeah, really good. Thanks for having me on. No worries. So what is the current situation for local music venues in 2022? It's been a long road. And uh, we've kind of had the waters muddied a fair bit by COVID, obviously, because before the virus came around, there was pretty um, the the effect that noise control was having uh, as a chilling effect on live music venues and the opportunities to do live events in the city was quite stark. But now that's kind of been mired in with a bunch of cancellations and and capacity restrictions and other um, factors, but. We are getting some positive steps in place at the moment. We've been uh, in talks with the council for well over a year now, 
formulating a, a live music action plan for the city, which encompasses a lot of things. But at the forefront of that has always been the noise control issue and how the DCC approached particularly live music venues and events with kind of their blanket approach to everyone. There was no special dispensations or, or um, allowances made for venues. But they are they are reviewing what they do at the moment. We've we've had an external town planner have a look at the way that the DCC approaches these things and and write up a review of how other cities does it in comparison. And uh, it's good to say that they've been cooperative. They've been listening to us and they're taking that kind of stuff into account right now. And we're continuing to work through the problem. Hopefully to get some good outcomes. I saw on your website that you wanted to finish that plan by June this year. Is that looking yeah, that, on track? That is the deadline. Um, it will be finished. I'm hella high water by then. But the finishing of the plan is is not necessarily the end of the journey. So the plan, as we see it, it's definitely a few hard things that we wanted to get in by there. The the addressing to noise control changes and all that. We definitely want all that in the works by the onset of the plan. But the plan itself is much more of a citywide approach to um, recapture Dunedin's music history and encourage that going forward. And it spans out into many, many facets from you know, helping young artists to promote and get themselves out there, providing rehearsal spaces uh, that are, are safe from noise control and other interference, uh, affordable and accessible um, encouraging of live venues, trying to get ourselves a mid-sized live venue back in this town so that we can actually have a lot of the national touring artists and international touring artists that Dunedin misses out on at the moment because we don't have that. These things will obviously take time. It's not like we're going to be able to go, boom, June, here's all the things. In June, we will have a, a roadmap to those things and we will have points at which we can keep an eye on the progress of that. It will be publicly accessible. People will be able to hold us and the council accountable for things that are getting done to this end. And that's that's well on track to be finished in June. I'm looking forward to it. Right. So, yeah, I, I heard you mention the different scope of venues. You know, we've got um, obviously much larger ones, but in terms of the smaller local ones, are you considering all of the different levels of venues? Yeah, doing our best. Um, basically, it's it comes down to it that Dunedin's lost a lot of what it once had. It used to be a very big music city with a lot of live music bars, DIY venues, you know, attic venues, basement venues, and that's all kind of gone, fell by the wayside. So we're at a point now where we're down to basically a handful of venues in town that still do live music, and most of those are below the 200 capacity limit, which is severely limiting for the kinds of acts. Not to mention the venues that we do have aren't suitable for all bands necessarily. So it's not like you can put one band in every kind of venue. Like if you take Bath, for example, much more of a cafe kind of bar style, you're not going to go putting grindcore and death metal in there because it's just not really suited. So you've only got the crown for that, you know. And so we've ended up in this spot where we've been pruned down to the lowest limit we can. And the process of encouraging those venues to come back is hard. One of the ways we're doing that is by suggesting that we start zoning entertainment areas in the city where Special considerations are given to venues and protections so that they can actually operate 
uh, without fear of being fined or having their their ability to deliver events in any way inhibited by the area around them. Um, and we're hoping that that kind of approach will encourage people to come through and start venues, take up some residences and some commercial premises and find other ways to make other spaces in the city venues. And that's that's a tricky thing to do because you can't really regulate that in. You, you can only create the regulatory framework where that is encouraged. And it's up to then the community to fill those gaps. So going from that down to protecting the venues we do have is a big thing. The loss of starters last year was, was a huge thing. And even though that wasn't directly noise related, it was the last student bar one of the last bars that could service a lot of the bands that the size that students are really into. And students are a huge community in this town. And I think they're underserved by the current kinds of venues we have. Has the DCC required you to put a max on certain noise levels? Do you have to include decibel readings? How technical do you have to get there? It's extremely technical. Limits aren't necessarily the best way of measuring noise, but boundary limits certainly are a part of it. That's what we're currently using in Dunedin. The boundary limits are set. It's set by the environmental framework of New Zealand at this point, so it's federal law. They have not bothered to necessarily zone other limits around activities and commercial activities. So we are sitting at the base standard, which has an extremely conservative decibel limit, as you would expect, because it is the base standard at which people are meant to regulate upon when they zone. But it is there to protect people's right to peace and quiet in their own homes. Though, that being said, construction works are exempt from a lot of these noise limits because they're considered to be a lot more important than music. So not only do we have boundary limits uh, in, in places, we've suggested several models, but the angle we're taking more is to, with the increasing intensification of, of uh, dwellings within the inner city, which is what we're going for with our, our new city model, we're aiming more on levels of reduction by acoustic insulation installed into new premises and retrofitted into old premises. So not necessarily limiting the noisemakers, but making it so that the environment adequately protects tenants from people who are doing noise-sensitive activities. In conflict resolution, if you have particularly troublesome neighbours and you have to work out a middle ground, we're still going for a few models that use decibel meters, but we're trying to walk away from that, at least in a commercial sense. Cool, yeah. It definitely sounds like if and when this gets passed, it will really empower a lot of um, local artists and venues as well. It'll definitely make a positive impact, which is quite exciting. And yeah, that's what we're hoping for. When we came into this whole thing, it was, we believe that the music community in this town is strong and we believed it was just being hindered and hampered at certain points. And we believe if we could remove some of those roadblocks or not even necessarily remove them, but give people certainty around what they have to do to comply. That was the hardest thing when we first started this is it was all arbitrary and there was no way of anyone telling you what anything was, what limits were, what you could do, what you couldn't do. It was all subjective and it was all arbitrary, which is, as we've learned with COVID over the years as well, uncertainty is one of the hardest things to deal with. People can deal with most things if they're certain it's going to remain that way. But if it's changing on a case-to-case basis, it becomes very tricky for anyone to actually achieve anything. So we're hoping in in freeing the community from this kind of thing and giving them certainty that the community will grow into this and we will grow the music scene from what it is now into a flourishing kind of cultural city like it was. But there's going to be big things in the next couple of months that we're working towards.
uh, and hopefully big things going on from that as well. So if people want to check out what we're doing or keep an eye on what we're doing in the future, save to need live music.com or save to need live music on Facebook. This was a Radio 191 FM podcast. All of our content lives online at r1.co.nz.